Welcome to the 285th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on May 22nd, 2022. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the man who's in the zone, Carlos Rodella. Do you mean the hate zone? Because that's correct. <laughs> That's kind of what I was thinking about, but I was going to let you uh, pop that particular bubble. You are in a little bit of a zone, huh? I can't play any game that makes me happy right now. Like, every game I start, I go, ah. And it's either like, I've seen this before, because you and I have been playing video games since they came out. Since they existed. Since they existed. And it's not even exaggeration. That's No, just that is a true fact. fact. That's a true fact. So I'm like, there's that premise, I get it. There's that mechanic, I get it. There's those graphics, I've seen them. Uh, and I can't, nothing is grabbing me. I wanted to call this episode Carl's Hates Games because I just can't find one that I like. Ever since Elden Ring, which I know is not too far ago, but nothing. I mean, I've tried a lot of them. You know, that happens sometimes. I mean, I think that part of it is definitely like you said. I mean, we're kind of old timers as far as the, you know, we're not like, we're not like ancient men or anything, but as you know, the video game industry is relatively young and new still. I mean, it's only been a couple decades, so it's not like it's been around for centuries the way like painting or like words have. Right. So, you know, but, you know, having been around since the start, like you definitely do get in that zone where you're like, I've been there. I've done that. I've seen that. I definitely feel that myself, like, you know, especially as a critic where, you know, um, I, I definitely, you know, not to humble brag or anything, but I, I know for a fact I play way more games than the average person does. Like, I cycle through way more games, and so I see a lot more, and so I see a lot of the same things pop up a lot more. And, I mean, that's really, to me, why... I, not that I'm so picky or harsh, but, like, you know, I'm so hesitant to give out, like, nines and tens, right? Because every time... Like, somebody's ten is cool, and I don't mean to harsh that, but, like, for me, it's probably, like, the seventh time I've seen a game exactly like that. Right, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, you, once you've been around, it takes a lot more to impress you, or you ha games have to be more clever, or just, like, reiterating the same things doesn't always do it for you. So I get you, man. I totally get you. And and we're actually, like, we're similar in that way, but we're a little different in the fact that, like, you can still find enjoyment, and God bless your heart, in, like, a simple Switch game, um, that has, you know, limited mechanics, graphics you've seen a million times, you know, and still have fun with it. And it's real hard for me to even do that. Like, Roundgar was an exception, Peglin, a couple of things like that where I'm like, okay, that's really addictive and fun. But it goes back to what I said a few episodes ago, or I don't know, probably all year, is that I want this new experience now, and I want 60 frames per second, and I want, like, full immersion. Yeah. And that's just going to that point of, like, me personally, I want to evolve with, you know, um, the experience and I want to have an experience that is different. You know, like the NPCs are, don't act like NPCs. They actually, you know, have you know, instead of calling this Carlos hates games, I'm going to call this uh, ready player. Carlos is what. We're oh, doing. OK. That might that's be what I think. That's what you're talking about, dude. You want to take this so. all to the next level. You know, you want to get immersed. You want that uh suit that gives you feedback you want the smooth well broken frame rates and stuff yes the frame rates but i'm not sure about the suit because that just seems like it might chafe but i will say this um when it comes to like i was saying the npcs like ai right like i i'm afraid of agi which if anybody knows what that is that it could be bad for us as humans but just advanced ai in games and surely advanced ai not this kind of like oh it can attack better 
you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the XCOM, you know, turn-based thing, you know, is way smarter and it'll kill you in a second. I don't want that. I want like realism. So I think that's what it is. And I go to each new game and, and weirdly enough, I just went back to Dying Light 2 last night just to see if I could see the patch and some new uh-huh. you know, DLC. And it felt old to me too, in a way. Yeah. I, was, I was like, oh yeah, you and I have been playing that game since it was Skyrim, you know? And yeah. Maybe that's a bad example, like Dishonored or I don't know, whatever. Like, and I was like, "Oh yeah, no, this is it's still a little clunky, and I, it's not grabbing the, the the ledge when I grab it, you know." And I don't know. Yeah, you know, I get like that too. You know, sometimes um, I'll just get into a zone where nothing's clicking with me, where I just can't find anything that feels fresh and interesting. And you know, I, I don't like to just play games just to like play them. I mean, I'm I'm really short on on free time and. When I when I do have free time, I want something that feels like really interesting or engaging or like I'm taking something from the experience. So, you know, when I when I hit those zones where just nothing's doing it for me, um, I'll just I'll put put games down for a while. Like I'll just take a break. And I, I mean, that sounds kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever, of course. But like it's harder. It's harder than you might think being a games critic and editor. Um, it's really hard to like just stop playing games for a while. But I do. I think the longest I've ever taken a break is maybe like, I don't know, two weeks or so. And during that time, I'll just I just won't play anything. I'll just I'll catch up on TV shows that I've been wanting to watch. I'll watch movies with the wife that I've been wanting to watch. I'll do you know, read some book or something like whatever and just like totally get away. And I find that usually when I come back, like it's kind of it's kind of revitalized me a little bit. Yeah. So you think I need a break then? You might need just like two weeks. Just binge whatever show like just watch just do something other than games. And I think you'll just you'll do a little bit of a reset. I mean, it's not going to. It's not going to make boring games fun, but like at least you'll be you won't feel like you're forcing it so hard, you know. Yeah. Although I do like binge watch shows all the time anyhow, but I will uh, yeah, I think I might take a smidge of a break. Although we have a podcast to do, which is the other part of this. That is true. Um, we're going to have to take that offline and we're going to figure something out. We'll figure that out. For now, uh, I did talk about a few games and again, spoiler uh, it's not great reviews because I'm in the zone. <laughs> yeah, so. I was going to say this whole discussion is kind of setting the tone for the rest of the show here. Yes. Uh, well, okay, before we get into all of the games that we didn't like this week, um, and actually, spoiler, there was one that I really liked a lot, so look forward to that at the end of the show. Uh, let's get into housekeeping uh, as we do. Folks, uh, if you're a regular listener or if you're a brand new listener, I will fill you in. Carlos and I share a virtual living space divided down the middle of the strip of duct tape. On my side, I actually have a couple things this week. I got like maybe three, four things. Carlos, what do you got on your side this week? Well, let's uh, trade off then, one after each. Let's each do it. Let's do it. Uh, first one's not a big thing, but they finally showed a pretty long preview for Saints Row, the new Saints Row. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, you know, it's it seems like what everybody's saying, it's more Saints Row. And it's interesting because it's, you know, I think a couple of them had been, one of them's been kind of like more normal GTA-ish, and one was like over the top. I was I'm just going to say, yeah, which, which Saints Row are we talking about, the like GTA or the crazy one? They mixed them. So a lot of the reviews are like, I don't know if this works because it's hard to take it one way or the other because you're doing some funny thing and then all of a sudden you're being serious about like this storyline. So it's really interesting. I don't know what how that will play out, but in general, they showed a lot of gameplay recently, and you can look it up on YouTube. And so yeah, it looks like Saints Row, exactly like Saints Row. And if you're in the mood for that, cool. In my zone right now, probably Carlos zone, probably not. It's yeah, it's it's probably out because they're not moving it forward at all. It seems like it's it's more of the same. It's funny you say that because honestly, I I knew there was another Saints Row coming, and just you know, as in terms of uh, where I'm coming from, I mean, I generally really like the Saints Row franchise. Franchise when I'm in the mood for it, I really like them. I like them a lot more than GTA. Um, so I, that's what side of the fence I fall on. But honestly, 
I kind of forgot it was coming. Is it is it really close to release? I kind of it's dropped off my radar. Yeah, I think it is this year. It's slated for this year. And I mean, from the gameplay they showed, which they showed a ton, it looks done. Like it's really okay. They're probably just polishing it, you know. But yeah, I would think it's this year. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, it's funny because I don't. I love Saints Row, but I kind of feel like that series did what it needed to do, and they tried to come back after they ended Saints Row. Um, there was like this like offshoot. Do you remember that offshoot? It was like. It was called like Rogue Agents or something like that, where it, hmm. it, it was kind of like Saints Row and it had some of the same theming, like there were still gangs and stuff, but it wasn't like you were the same characters and also you had like these superpowers and there was like an evil scientist. Do you remember that game at all? I no, remember. I never played that. I don't oh, know what man. you're talking about. It was not good. It disappeared like really quickly and it was a lot of people, including myself, were just like, man, feels like the team is like kind of out of ideas. This doesn't feel like, you know, they're kind of just doing it to do it without having inspiration. I, I, you know, I wish them all the best and I don't want to see any game fail. I'm not rooting for anybody's failure, but I do have to wonder if maybe it's time to just put Saints Row down and maybe just do something completely different. I mean, I don't know. Well, here's the thing. And this is a small tangent. This is what I'm talking about kind of with my, what, what are we calling the episode? Carlos Player One? Ready Player Carlos. Oh, Ready Player Carlos. Carlos Player One also works. I think. That would also work. Um, is that they've already spent like a huge amount of time creating a world, right? And open worlds are hard to do. It's a lot of resources. So if they have that there, why do the same formula on top of it? You still have a world and they probably worked a little bit on the NPC AI, right? And some of the terraforming or whatever, I don't know. And it's a fun playground and, you know, to, to mess around in, why not make it like a totally different storyline? It's like a single player, you know, you just control one character. Open world dating sim. That's what I want them to do. Okay, or open, that. Yes, absolutely. Open world dating sim. I'm I'm there, dude. Actually, yeah, there. I would I would do that It'd be too. Amazing. But my point is, yeah, you know, change the mechanic on top of it because you have this really cool open world, and so, but you don't have to do the same thing where you just like you know objectives, blow up stuff. It's going to be that same crap. Which gang met? Which gang likes you the most? Yeah. And stuff. So I think that's the the real true problem is that you have all this really great resources in a team who's making this world and worlds are hard to make, but then just put something new on top. Let of me it. ask you a question, Carlos. You have actually just inspired me to think of something just now. Ah, so dude. we just were talking about how we've been around since the dawn of video gaming. We've both been there, done that, seen that, you know, you're going through a malaise. I've gone through periods like that as well. So we're talking about saints row here and you know, it's like, it's like a formula, right? It's like open world. You're going to probably drive around, shoot a bunch of dudes, do the objectives. Like it's, it's a kind of game that we have all, okay. Like you and I have played a million times. I'm sure other people have too. So I guess my question is at what point do you, or do you even think videos can even do this where we're like, you make a game that has to be accessible to other people. And there's going to be like probably a hundred million people who like haven't played a game like this because they're new, they're young. They, they are 30 years younger than we are. They're just getting into video games for the first time. They just got their first console. So to them, this is like a brand new experience, right? So like, I wonder at what point do, do designers want to start developing something for people who've been there and done that? I want to do something extra different. Or if we are sticking with the mainstream where like, if they're financially bound, they have to sell a hundred million copies. Do they just keep doing the same thing? Because at some point, the old people are going to like just fuck off and do whatever, but the new players are still going to get that same experience that we had 15 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the, the, the school of philosophy, do we make something for the new people because they haven't played it yet? Or do we keep going down a path, which I guess is like a smaller and smaller audience for people who don't want to do that same thing again. You know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. It does. And I have a perfect answer for it. Um, because again, we are from the dawn of the era of video games 
And uh, it, it, the answer is kind of in arcades. So arcades had a ton of games that had similar mechanics, right? Yes. All the, the Space Invaders. Like Space Invaders started a million different clones. Um, at some point, the, the art form and the industry has to change because we'd still have Space Invaders. Because in that logic, a young kid would go in the arcade, you know, 10 years later and be like, well, I never played Space Invaders. But the industry and the regular, like, I don't know, populace were like, yeah, we're over that. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that's the answer. Like, at some point, you know, the industry or whatever just has to, has to move on because you can, it'll always be someone's first game. Right. That's just, I that's, mean, I think pe- that's, people I, keep being bored. That's a good point. I think there's definitely truth in what you're saying there. I, I agree with that. And I have to wonder, I have to wonder if the industry hasn't been stuck in a long time in the technological advancements forcing the move forward. I wonder now that we're seeing kind of, um, you know, we're seeing advancements in certain things, of course, I'm not saying the technology has stopped, but like now that we're getting like diminishing returns on graphics and, you know, this generation of consoles is certainly better, more powerful, but it's not like light years beyond what we had last time. I wonder if, if that's going to force developers to think more creatively in terms of, what they're making rather than relying on the advancing technology. Because, you know, like you said, Space Invaders, that was cutting edge, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And people advanced just because they could, you know, better technology, faster computers. But now that that's kind of all kind of evening out a little bit, I wonder if it's going to come down to sheer creativity at this point. But, you know, it's interesting. That's one more tangent. This is like the longest uh, tangent ever at the beginning. But if you look at uh, Kung Fu, I believe is what the game was called, right? Oh, the man, original. back in the day, yes. Yeah, and Taito, I believe, or something. And it was just, it was the beginning, I mean, Mario Brothers as well, the, of this kind of like left to right, move left to right and fight enemies, right? Yes. Um, not really platformer as much, but like Double Dragon, that stuff. And even Double Dragon is actually maybe a better example for what I'm about to say, because in that one, you could move like foreground and the background yes, as well. it's true. So... The game I just finished and loved, Trek to Yomi. Like the main two mechanics are Kung Fu and Double Dragon. <laughs> I just realized that because basically the Kung Fu is the action part and always switches to 2D and you're hitting a button or two. And then the other stuff, you move foreground and background in, into the, the space, that's Double Dragon. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but it's something. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it's, it's an interesting a thing. observation. I it's guess a is thing. All yes, I got it. How much have how much have we moved on? Is what I'm saying. Well, definitely something to think about. Um, I'm going to think about it some more. I'm curious to see how you're going to do if you take a week off, or you know, how, if that refreshes your perspective. See how you do. We'll check back in, um, and we'll come back to that. So, all right, let me take over for a second here in the housekeeping. We are still in housekeeping, by the way, folks. Hey, hang tight. We're, we're getting through it. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so. Let's talk about TV for uh, before. Okay, no, no, back up, back up, back up. Slow down, Brad. Slow down. Say words. Okay, first of all, um, apologies to anybody listening to the podcast. Uh, I don't know if I ever. I don't really talk about it a lot, but my family and I have chickens. Have I talked about chickens before on the podcast? I think we've talked about chickens. Yeah. Okay, so we lost a couple chickens recently, which was really sad, um, and we had to replace them because we eat a lot of eggs and we give our neighbors a lot of eggs. So it's springtime. We figured, okay, let's get some new chickens and we'll do that whole process again. I wasn't counting on doing it this year, but we did it anyway. So we got like five new chickens and they're chicks. Um, and I don't know if you can hear them, but they're just like maybe 10, 15 feet from me. They're in like a little incubation station. They got to stay warm. They got to be protected until they're big enough to survive outside. So if you hear a lot of peeping or cheeping or any kind of bird noises, that is, I apologize for that, but that is my five chickens who are who are growing. They're in their little baby years right now. And in another couple of weeks, we'll probably get them outside. So 
Heads Adorable. Yeah. But also, um, what are you talking about? Is this a video game? I'm confused. <laughs> this is real life, like Chicken a, a Sam organic? 2022. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's, yeah. We love chickens. I love chickens. Chickens are great. We always wanted to have some, and now that we have a place to live in a yard. We got some, and ah, chickens are the best, dude. They're so fun, and they give you eggs to eat, and they're just like a really low-maintenance pet. I love chickens. All right. Welcome back to the Chicken Cast. Welcome back and... to the Chicken Cast. All right. Back to you, sir. Oh, that was part of the housekeeping, yes. And literal housekeeping, because it's like... Uh, Actual, the house. yes. Literal housekeeping. Um, I just want to mention The Witcher 3 uh, was announced that it's going to finally be the enhanced versions coming out this year. I don't think they're going to push it because, you know, they can't afford to CD Projekt Red with all their issues at times with the releasing. So Q4 2022, it looks slightly better. They're not showing. I don't seen a lot of um, graphics from it or maybe we haven't seen any yet. But I don't know. Do you, do you care? Are you going to jump back in? Uh, no, because I, I mean, The Witcher 3, very possible to be my favorite game of all time. It's I, I don't know that it is, but it's like. It's definitely top three. It could be my favorite game of all time. But, dude, I played the fuck out of that game. I played that game for, like, 200-plus yeah. hours. I think I did, like, literally every side quest. I mean, I didn't do the Gwent stuff because I just don't like Gwent. But I did everything else. I mean, found the treasures, killed all the extra bosses, searched out all the locations, talked to everybody, had sex with as many people as possible. Like, I mean, I don't think there's anything left. Did all the DLC back and forth. I mean, yeah. I love that game, but I don't know that i really ever want to pour another 200 you know 200 plus hours into it well i don't want to do that but you know they're going to like release it with a couple little teeny pieces of dlc like they'll do something i heard that there's definitely armor sets and things from the tv show i heard yeah that wouldn't get um, me in i mean the only thing i care about is the story because it's so well written and i really love that if it's like armor or if you can swap your skin to look like Henry Cavill or something, I wouldn't give a shit about that. <laughs> Would not care at all. I wouldn't care about that either. Well, I don't know. I think that for one thing, it's it's a free upgrade, which is nice. So, you know, I own it. So sure. I might just like pluck around in there for a second. But yeah, anyways, I tell you to mention that I think it finally is going to come out. Wow. And then also on the release front, Greedfall 2. Got yeah, announced. I sent you that link to the trailer. Yes, thank you for that. It's a prequel. I, I first off, usually don't like those, but... You play as a native. Oh, and, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. And as you know, I sided with the natives being also native, not their native, but a native. Fellow native. Fellow native. And uh, yeah, in the original campaign, for those you don't know, uh, I the, the natives were the only people that liked me at the end of the game because uh, you can side with different factions. And all the other factions were like, oh, we don't trust that guy. <laughs> and I was like, that's how I like it, because you guys are assholes. Retribution, bitches. Yes. So it felt great. Um, so I'm really excited to obviously play any, anything more. And I love uh, the developer, so that's cool. And lastly, in the release front, uh, Techland, which I just mentioned with Dying Light 2, they are working on a fantasy RPG. Excellent. That would be very exciting. Have they said anything at all about it or nope, not really? That's the only words that I have to give to you. All right. Well, I, you know, I, I like Techland's work. Um, I haven't played Dying Light 2 yet, but I love Dying Light 1. Um, and I think they're talented folks. I mean, I think in general, those guys know what's up and they, they, they put out a good product. So I would be yeah. very excited to see them get away from Dying Light and do something slightly different. I'm, I'm in. Just count me in for that. Yep. So I thought everybody know. Okay, what else you got? Right on. Okay, so I gotta just I gotta take a minute here. We're gonna talk about TV, a couple shows, real quickly. So first, um, my son and I watched every episode of He Man and She-Ra. I told you that. Did I tell you that last week. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're moving on 
to Beast Wars. I love Beast Wars. It's probably my favorite Transformers series. They're my favorite Transformers toys. Beast Wars is great. You ever watch Beast Wars, Carlos? Nope, but I know of it. I mean, it won a couple Emmys. It was, uh, and, and interestingly, some of the writers who were on He-Man and She-Ra went on to create Beast Wars. So, like a lot of the continuity in terms of storytelling, um, some really good techniques there. I really like, like that. Um, so, Beast Wars is apparently, from what I can tell, not available to stream anywhere. We wanted to just buy it on iTunes or something. It wasn't available, so we went over to YouTube and somebody, some kind soul, uploaded the entire series of Beast Wars. He upload he upresed it to like 4K resolution, which was like, dude, if you could see them side by side, you would shit your pants because it looks wow. so much better. Me and my son were like falling off the couch being like, oh, my God, it looks amazing. And also he got rid of the craptions that were the automatic um, YouTube generated ones. And he cleaned every lineup by hand for like the entire wow. series. That's that is work. so much work. Dude, I do so much subtitling. I know you do it, too. You know how much work that is? I was like, oh, my God. This guy must have devoted, like, I don't even know how much time. So whoever you are, man, thank you for, like, doing that. Because yeah. this is, like, the best way to ever watch Beast Wars ever. It's fucking amazing. It looks so good. Nice. Yeah, thank you, uh, mysterious person. Yes, in, man. In the internet. Okay, so heads up if you want to watch Beast Wars, which everybody should. Fucking get that 4K up-res. Amazing. Real quick, also started watching um, Season 3 of Barry. I was holding off because I wanted um, HBO to release a couple episodes. Like, fuck off. Just do the whole thing. Don't I make know, me do you week. I know, I know. We were, we're not going to rehash this. Um, <laughs> but I watched up to whatever was available. I think it was four episodes, maybe By five. the way, so did I, and it's on my list for housekeeping. Oh, man. Okay, let's talk about it now. Dude, yeah. okay, wow. I already liked Barry. I already thought it was great from season one and season two. And like season three, Bill Hader is going after this so hard. He is pushing the boundaries of like the writing and also like how he's filming it. Like a couple of the shots that he's gotten in the series so far. I'm like, Oh my God, dude, like this is the, I can just see like what he's doing and like how crazy some of these shots are. Some of the, the, where the, where he's pausing and some of the angles that he's got are fucking bananas. And I fucking yeah. love like absolute hats off to this guy because I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen a show, very few shows that can handle dead fucking serious. This is so emotionally gutting. And immediately transition into like absurd comedy that is like over the top. And it, it doesn't stumble. Like it goes back and forth. It's like perfect, dude. It's amazing. I, I agree and disagree. So I generally love it. Okay. So agree with you. And by the way, uh, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts with Bill Hader on it recently. Okay. And he started like, you know, just growing up wanting to be a director. So he's finally getting to direct. I mean, it some makes perfect sense, dude. He's, yeah. he's, got a, he's got a skill for it. I think he directed five of the episodes this season. Um, I think the pilot as well, or the uh, the opening one for season three. So you can tell, like, you know, some of that stuff you just described is like his vision, which is awesome. Um, but I started off like not enjoying it because it does go super dark this season. Ooh, real dark, yeah. And, you know, that thing that you said, the juxtaposition of comedy and darkness and, and drama, it works really well, I think, in season one and two, like almost flawlessly. But for some reason, this one, because it's so dark... There wasn't really any comedy for like two episodes. Oh, really? You weren't catching? Okay. I mean, yeah. He... I mean, they were small bits. It's a different know, like... flavor for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so so I think that kind of threw me off. And I was like, ah, but I do want to, I have to finish like what's going to happen with these characters, you know? So it's it's so compelling. Um, and I just love all the, the casting. So I still like it. And the last episode I like the best. And there's a new one out tonight at the time of this recording. So after this podcast probably, but... Yeah, I, I really, really like it a lot. It's one of my favorite shows the first two seasons, but those first couple episodes, if you're going into it, 
Uh, it's just a little rough because I also I like Henry Winkler so much. No oh, man, he's. Can we just talk for a minute about how fucking great is he's number so one? Good. He's so good in this, but number two, that he is back. Like, dude, who? I mean, Henry Winkler. I know he's been very active in Hollywood for a long time, so I know he's been like behind the scenes guy doing stuff, which is cool. Um, but man, to see Henry Winkler back on screen after like decades, and he's yeah. killing it, dude. Like he's he's genuinely fantastic in this. It's it's so great to see him back. It is. And I grew up with, because again, we're ancient. Yes. Um, I grew up with the Fonz and thinking he was the coolest person in the world, uh, which of course they wanted you to it, think. It's a TV show called Happy Days. Go ahead and Google right. it. I know a lot of people listening to the show have no fucking idea what we're talking about. Yeah. The Fonz, he was a cool dude and he would like hit the jukebox and the songs would just come on. Black leather jacket, motorcycle. He was almost magical. He was like a magical, mythical figure in this uh, kind of humdrum TV show called Happy Days because he was like the weirdness, you know? Anyways, I watched all that, including, by the way, Fun Tangent, Mark and Mindy, because I, you know, that was the, my introduction to Robin Williams. Google that also. I know no one knows what that is, but yes, oh, I'm with you. Mark and Mindy, so good. So anyways, yes, it's great to see him back. I love it. Uh, I love his character. I like the show a lot. So we, we agree. I just, warning people, if you're going back in season three, the first couple episodes, it, it, very little humor. It's more about just like, okay, what's going to happen because of all these things we set up? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I definitely agree. It, it is, it is humor in a different way like he's definitely getting like a different flavor like there's a lot more subtle jokes and some of it is even just in like the framing of the scenes and stuff but man i uh i i think it's great barry is fucking amazing it's really really good stuff so okay it is um one more tv thing before i kick it back to you for a second okay so i have i have a problem carlos i have a problem i don't i honestly don't know what the answer is right okay so hear me out rescue rangers the brand new movie just debuted on disney plus have you heard of it or seen it Unfortunately, I heard of it too much because recently uh, John Mulaney and okay, that's where I'm going. That's exactly oh, what I'm okay. going to say. Okay, well so. they they well they were talking about it on uh, Jimmy Kimmel because they like wouldn't stop talking about this damn movie. Okay, so okay, let me let me let me talk about this. So Rescue Rangers, TV series from Disney Afternoon back in the '90s, really well well loved, starring Chip and Dale, the Chipmunks. Uh, great sh- great show. I've seen I think probably every episode of Rescue Rangers. The new movie. Okay, I feel weird saying this. The new movie is fucking awesome. It's really legitimately excellent and good. Like if you've ever seen, you've seen Roger Rabbit, I'm sure who framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. 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 Okay. It is just, it is like that. It is just like exactly like who framed Roger Rabbit, but updated tons of references. Every frame of the movie has some kind of like nod to something, a guest appearance, some cartoon that you haven't seen for 20 years. The writing is really funny. Um, I mean the, the, where it goes is really funny. I mean, I watched it with family yesterday. We all, thought it was amazing like it was just like a really 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 good movie um of course i think you probably get more out of it if you know what rescue rangers is but even if you don't i think it's still worth watching if you're a person who has any kind of nostalgia for any cartoon over the last probably 30 years right i mean if you don't know anything about this it's probably going to seem like a weird movie but if you have any kind of background knowledge which i feel like most people probably do uh amazing film i was like stunned at how good it was it's really 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 good Wait, wait, to that point, I keep hearing people like saying like there's a million cameos. Like I saw oh, Sonic yeah. endless, in there. And endless. Stuff. Oh my god, dude. Ugly yeah. Sonic is in that movie. He fucking steals the show. It is the funniest. Ah, it's so funny. Like I'm laughing just thinking about it. It's really funny. It's okay. really good. This whole thing is good. Here's my problem. My problem is John Mulaney's in it. And John Mulaney's a piece of shit. And I don't like John Mulaney. I I have a real problem with him right now because of what happened with him and Dave Chappelle, who's also a giant piece of shit. So we don't have to get into all the details, but Dave Chappelle is a transphobic piece of garbage. And I guess he's really good friends with John Mulaney and something happened over the weekend, which really put a lot of people off. So if I, if I didn't know about that, um, I would be like, this is a great movie. But now I know that that stuff happened. And now I'm like, it's a great movie. 
But one of the stars, because John Mulaney is the one of the voices, I think he's the voice of Chip, or is it Dale? The, whichever one. He's one of them. Um, I just, I'm like, fuck. I, I find that problematic because I hate you, and I think you're yeah. awful. And now I have a hard time recommending this movie, and I have a hard time talking about it, which sucks because it's a great movie, but now there's an asshole in it, and I can't support the asshole. Okay, so I have uh, an answer and a tangent. Okay. So the f- first answer is, like, it's that whole, you know, old story about, like, can you separate the artist from the, from artist, yeah. the person, yeah. you know, um, or the artist from the yeah artist. And so, you know, I liked him when he wrote on SNL, um, and that's the tangent. So my last housekeeping is SNL. But, um, and, and so I wasn't, wasn't like his biggest fan for like comedy. I, I, I do it, not find him funny at all. Okay. The stand up. I, I find it okay. But the point is I liked him when he helped other sure, people write. Sure. And you could tell that because it, it just was really funny. I mean, because, when he was on the Nick Kroll show, brilliant. But he needed Nick Kroll to be funny. He's not funny on his own. Right. And also, he worked with Bill Hader to do Stefan and a bunch of stuff on Sure, yeah. Him, he's so. like he's like a, he's a great helper. Yeah. Oh, right. That's just called a writer. <laughs> a lot of it's just a really good writer. <laughs> I'm a word helper. I I'm help a word helper. Um, so there's that side of it. And then the other side of it is, yeah, like if you hadn't heard, the, the, the abridged version is he had a show and then he – just sprung Dave Chappelle on people. And again, Dave Chappelle is polarizing right now from his transphobic bullshit. And so you just, it's just not like good form to just bring him out because he's obviously going to offend certain people. And it's not offend because of jokes. It's because of offend of like his stance. Yeah. He is genuinely an offensive person. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Right now he's just kind of like homophobic and transphobic. It doesn't make any sense. Like I'm still confused by it, but yeah. So that's like a fuck thing to do. It's also one time, so I don't know. Like he hasn't like continuously like surprised people with transphobic uh, comedians. So that's my only caveat there. He did it once, yeah. and he's obviously never gonna fucking, you know. I don't know. Maybe I mean, he will he down. do it again? Will he double down? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's it's the a thing. fuck thing. So I agree with you. It's hard. I don't know. I mean, and that's really the thing, right? It's like I, we are now living in a time when I feel like the lines have been clearly drawn for like a while. I don't feel like it's really confusing to figure out if transphobia is bad or good. It's bad. It's terrible. Transphobia is fucking awful. I love trans people. I have trans people in my life. I support them 100%. And I don't feel like there's any confusion about it. I feel like if you do shit like that, then you are clearly saying you're on the opposite side. And if you're on the opposite side, fuck you. Yeah. So I've, I feel like uh, it, it sucks because, you know, I, I feel like I can't support the movie. I was going to tweet about it and then I didn't. And then, you know, I brought it here to talk about it so I could clearly express my thoughts about this. But I mean, honestly... I, you know, I hope they just like take his voice track out and some track substitute with somebody else. Cause like, it, you know, the movie wasn't made because of John. I mean, he didn't make the movies. What I'm trying to say, like it could have been anybody's voice. Yeah. It didn't yeah. have to be John Mulaney's voice. It could have been anybody and it would have been as uh, just as good of a movie. So I, you know, I don't know. Oh, I just, you know, it's interesting. They have that, you know, technology where you can replace people's faces now. Right. So they can maybe like. Oh, yeah. Trans, Swap out like, the audio track. It'd be easier yeah, than okay. doing a face. They could easily get any other actor who's even got a, a bit of comedic timing and the whole movie just carries it. Like it could just be anybody literally. So anyway. yeah, you like it's because I do audio stuff. You can like transcode and yeah. you know, switch it up. So just get him out of there. That's man. interesting. Okay. Anyway, so finish this housekeeping up, which has gone right. way too long. Uh, What else? What else? What else? Oh, I just want to do well, it quick. You got something else? You got something? Well, else? I have that tangent was at SNL. Which is real quick, oh, okay. Yeah. Because we were talking about it. Yeah. So I just finished the. Um, watching the uh, season finale. Not, okay. uh, well, it's before they take a summer break and then they come back, SNL. Um, and it was just really like, I just want to mention how heartwarming it was because it was 
Kate McKinnon, A.D. Bryant, Pete Davidson, and Kyle Mooney's last show. So four people leaving at once. Um, also, doors open for Carlos. <laughs> they, and, got, uh, they got a vacancy, brother. <laughs> dude, I'm. this is not even like a joke. Like, I'm going to send my packet in, and I want, I want to be. I want to be a word helper. Do it, man. If you get on that show, I'll be like, "Oh man, I knew Carlos. He was. I did a million episodes with him. He's my bro from back in the day." Dude, we'd still do the podcast. It wouldn't matter. Oh, that would be change. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Why would? Why wouldn't we? I don't understand. That wouldn't change anything. Anywho, so I am going to submit well, to you'd that. Be Hollywood but, at that point, right? I mean, you'd have money, cocaine, women. Just because I mean, you have, have no money. Time for the oh, okay. I see, you're doing the joke. So, anywho, I just <laughs> want to tell people to check it out because. While the whole show in general wasn't like a great episode, it didn't have to be. It was more like a lot of different sketches like showcase those um, people leaving. And so what's really, really amazing is the cold open, which is the first, you know, sketch they do. Yeah, yeah. Was this alien sketch that Kate McGinnon always does, which is like aliens abducted them, but that they always like fuck with her and they didn't fuck with the other people. And you know it if you've seen it. But anyways, they did the last one of that because she's leaving. And so instead of the end of it where they just kind of like say, you know, they take the information about the alien abduction, she literally goes to a spaceship and they like built a whole set for it and they open the door and there's smoke coming out of it. And she goes up and she says like this really heartwarming thing that I won't try to say now, but like, thank you for having me for a little while and, you know, having me in your homes and stuff like that. So she was like literally saying goodbye, like to the whole show. And it was like, she almost cried and like, then aliens came out and then she left. But (laughs) it was like a really special, you know, special moment in, um, in TV, uh, to set, to send people off like that. It's really cool. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Excellent. Excellent. Anyways, Um, what's your last piece? That's the last piece. Just, I want to just circle back and just, just kind of put a bow, a partial bow, 90% bow, on Rogue Lords, I know I've been talking about it for the last two weeks. We talked about it initially two weeks ago. I talked about it uh, last week when I kind of came around and figured it out. Uh, I, I just want to just say real quickly, um, I, I'm almost done with the game. Um, you have to beat six bosses and then a final boss. And I uh, beat my sixth boss uh, yesterday. And everybody said that was the hardest one. So I'm hoping that the seventh one is going to be less uh, less uh, difficult than the last one. But man, I've really, I you know, I've kind of gone on a journey with this game. I liked it at first, but then I, I thought that maybe there were some parts that weren't working as well came back last week and I'm like, Oh, now that I, you know, I read a, read an article and watched some YouTube and got some tips. I really kind of understand it better now. And I really like it a lot. And now that I am, um, in the home stretch, I've come to really have a, a greater appreciation for the different character designs. I think there's like eight or nine different characters you can use and, and t- different team comps and how the mechanics come together. Like it's, it's just really brilliant, a really, really well put together game. Um, again, not to beat the same drum, but like a, a lot like uh, Slay the Spire in many respects, but mm-hmm. it takes a few different cues. It's definitely not as, as not crushing and difficult as Slay the Spire is. Um, but it's, it's just a really, really good game. And I just wanted to tell everybody who's listening, you know, give it a shout if you like roguelikes, if you like deck builders. It's guaranteed going to be on my top 10 this year for sure. I feel like it's excellent. Um, everything about it is really well done. I've had a great time with it. And uh, I just want to give it one more one more shout out because I feel like it deserves it. Yeah, and that went, like you said, a little bit of a journey because it's like I mentioned it first, remember? Yeah, like last ago. year, I think, when it was yeah. like just brand new on PC. And I was like kind of mixed on it. And then you you were kind of mixed on it. Then you saw some YouTube videos. And so, yeah, it's come all the way around. Yeah, it's just really, really good. And I want to also say, you know, I've seen some people – this man, this bugs me so much. I see some people be like, well, yeah, this game was like it's not that hard, which I think, honestly, I think the difficulty is pretty well-tuned. It can be really difficult, but I, don't, I think it's – it doesn't kill your soul, right? It feels like you can probably do it. Like 
sometimes in Slay the Spire, man, I feel like I just just need to quit life because I don't know if I'm going to beat that game. Yeah. But but also, I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, this game's only like, you know, it's only like 20 or 30 hours. Arr, that sucks. Okay, like just real, again, quick tangent. If a game is not 1,000 hours long, that's fine. Not every game has to give you infinite gameplay. And I feel like this game, um, from the start to finish, I think I've probably put about 30 hours in so far. And that's just been, it's perfect. It's just the right length for a roguelike deck builder, giving me time to experiment with it, to learn the systems, to get good. Not in the Dark Souls way, but just to get better and to improve my skills. And, you know, that's great. And I'm glad they're wrapping it up. I don't want this game to go on forever. I don't want it to be so difficult that it's going to take five years of my life to, to beat yeah. it. So, like, if that's where you're coming at, if that's your default view of a game, it's got to give you a thousand hours and you got to play it forever. Maybe you just have you a little bit. That's a pretty wrong-headed way of thinking. Trek to Yomi, six hours. Loved it. Love it. Love that time. Okay, that's it for me. Shout out for Rogue Lords to wrap that. Any last housekeeping, Carlos? No, let's get out of this house. Let's get out of this house. It's warm in here. It's got some fresh air. Open a couple windows. All right, moving on to the main content of the show. You are up first, sir. Outward Definitive Edition. Now, this is a game I've had my eye on for a long time. Um, one of my bros on Twitter, Coffee Jesus, uh, he and Patty Stardust, who are two of my absolute favorite people on Twitter. If you're not following them, please check them out couple of british dudes they are just like they are just delightful human beings um they really sold me hard on outward a couple years ago when it was on ps4 or, or whatever something like that and i really really wanted to get into it but i just didn't have the time so i kept an eye on kept an eye on it and i just i bought it <laughs> actually, i actually think i bought it like twice uh, but i never got around to it and now that there's a definitive edition i'm like oh oh maybe this is my shot right so maybe this is the time so i'm very curious carlos i know that you're like jrpg guy rpg guy in general I want to get the Carlos lowdown on Outward. Well, I remember what the episode's called. Oh, man. I remember what my zone is. Yes. All right. Well, fill me in anyway. <laughs> yeah. You're like, hey, you don't have to tell me. Never mind. <laughs> Skip. Okay. Next segment. Uh, so I, when I first came out, the original kind of backstory is I had issues with it. I liked that they were trying new things. Essentially, what this game is, is an RPG mixed with survival. Um, and so the survival elements are part of what I have a problem with and what I initially didn't like uh, because, you know, in an RPG like this, third-person action RPG, a lot of dodging, the, the stuff that I normally love, uh, you know, attacking, dodging, skills, etc. You, you know, that has a kind of a feel to it when it comes to the, you know, back and forth of fighting monsters and leveling up or whatever, kind of what you would expect. And now I know I'm just saying against what I said earlier, it's just I want something different not just the same old same old and that's true but sometimes when you you know do things that are different it doesn't always work so i think in the first time i played it the two things happened one i didn't like the graphics because they were so simple yeah and maybe it was that carlos thing of like you know wanting a little bit more graphics but it would they were just really simple and like you go into like a, a bar and you know I mean, even a JRPG would have like a lot of stuff going on in a bar, but this was like a massive room with just like two people at the bar and the bar was the only thing in the room. Right. And I was like, right. well, this doesn't even look real. Like there's not even a, <laughs> and there's nothing in here besides that bar, you know? So I was kind of blown away by the graphics being like, or underwhelmed, I should say. And then it was really dark. Like I had to turn the brightness up a lot mm. uh, and that really bothered me. And then the other big thing was some of the mechanics of like, again, of the survival element and stuff. So let me jump to now. The Definitive Edition, the graphics are a little better. Weirdly enough, I still had to turn the brightness up. Mm. Um, you know, they didn't like populate the bar, so it looks like the same bar. But 
I think they just did a little bit of, you know, quality of life stuff is really what it comes down to. Um, but I can't notice a ton different. Really? Now, okay. Yeah, I think the biggest parts are the adding of more DLC, the adding of different like skill trees and character classes. So you can do like a lot more with the game. But the beginning, just like the first time I played it, it's super slow. Because what it is, is it, it adds that survival element to a point of almost like limiting what you can do. And let me give an example. Yeah, I was, I was literally going to say, give us an example. The first part is you have stamina, and most games would have stamina, and then it refills like as soon as you use it, you know, at some point. But this one, it, it refills, but it doesn't refill max. So the longer you are like awake, part of that survival mechanic, your, your like max stamina goes down. So like the eating, the drinking, and the sleeping come into play. So if you just want to go out and adventure and like fight, then you have to be thinking about that. Okay. And, you know, again, if you're thinking that way and that's the kind of game you're ready for, it might be fine. But for me, I want to jump in and obviously like, you know, take out a dungeon or something. The other problem is weight. So you have a backpack full of stuff. Oh, like encumbrance, you mean? Encumbrance, yeah. yeah. And so like literally lots of times you have to take your backpack off, which I hate. <laughs> then you can fight and then you can go pick your backpack back up. I heard about that. I heard that that putting it down and picking up your backpack was like was like a big deal in that game. It's a big deal. It still is. It was when I first started and it is now. So again, not huge mechanic changes. Definitive Edition, I think, means graphics and DLC. But the same issues bothered me again. It was A, too dark, simplistic graphics, even though it was slightly better. And the main thing is those mechanics of like, I want to get good. I want to get better. I want to level up. I want to see more of this land. Um, but it's really a pain too sometimes. And um, even the spells are a little like cumbersome, like how you do them. You have to hit like right trigger and then a button. It's just fine, I guess. I will say this positive part about it because I know this is not selling you. Here's two positive pieces. One, uh, couch co-op is split screen. Okay. That's kind of cool. That's interesting. All right. When are you When you are exploring, because it has a survival element... Right before I like shut it off forever, I said, hey, here's a good thing about it um, is I was exploring the dark. It was too dark, but I had turned, pulled out my lantern. It was just daybreak, you know, like so the sun isn't quite up yet. And so it's still dark out and you could see the light coming in the, in the distance. And I was going through a forest with my lantern, fought a monster, had just enough stamina, you know, took my stupid ass backpack off, put it back on. And then got to a new area, like a new little town. And I was like, oh, that was a really fun experience. So like you finally got a good little journey together. All the pieces came together and you kind of uh, like. That's it. You made All it, the right? pieces came together. And I was like, oh, I think this is what they want me to do. You know, they gotcha. want me to do this thing. But the problem is if you get into a bigger dungeon or if you get into like a situation where you're like surrounded and you feel like not empowered, that's where I, it loses me a bit, you know. I have to uh, wonder, you know, I, maybe this is not a good example, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of Monster Hunter, not in the mechanics or anything like that. But, you know, a big part of Monster Hunter is preparation, where before you go fight a monster, like, you got to think, do I have the sharpening stones, which I know is your favorite part of the game? Mm -hmm. uh, do you have enough potions? Do you have enough uh, anti-poison remedies? Or, you know, do you have enough things? And, like, a lot of the game is actually prepped. They've kind of dialed back on it in recent years um, in Rise, the most recent one. But in general... 
like half the game is like spec my armor just the right way, get the right weapon, tweak the weapon just the right way, get the right items. So is that kind of the same feel here? Like like before you go on a journey, like are you spending time like, okay, well, how many sandwiches am I going to need? How many changes of underwear am I going to need? How many weapons do I got? How much can I carry? Like, is that kind of what you're going through? Everything but the underwear. Okay. Um, <laughs> but no, you're right. Like, I mean, that's why you might like this, right? right. This might be totally up your alley and the fact that you are prepping and thinking about what you're going to do next. But also you might run into the thing that I ran into, which is the stamina thing. And the the fact that you literally can't do something sometimes. Or you have to put your back to, backpack down, you know, because you just found like four new swords. What are you going to like, just leave them on the ground? Yeah. You got to yeah. sell those bad boys, you know? So I just felt like I was always encumbered or over encumbered. And here's my last piece I don't like about it, which is just in general, the story is like, you know, you start on the as you were in a shipwreck and you are you know land back home or something and a bunch of people died in the shipwreck and they like the the whole town says hey you owe a blood oath or blood price for what they call it but basically your grandmother like screwed up real bad and for some reason you have to pay for that like she did something terrible and like in your it's in your family name now oh it's just like credit card debt in real life yeah, I was like, this is the beginning of an RPG. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, dude, you owe like a lot of money because of your grandmother. Um, so you have to pay it like in three days or we're going to like take your house and you have to leave. Wow. And I was like, so I start the game from behind. And I was like, that's too close to real world. I'm like worried about my bank account. I don't like this. It's not cool to start off a game with your grandma being terrible with her MasterCard, and now you got to pay off her, pay off all her, off her debt. Yes, yeah, oh, that's, that's terrible. So I don't like the idea of any any RPG starting you in debt. I mean, I'm reminded of Animal Crossing. I was just gonna say Tom Nook and Animal Crossing. Yeah, right? yeah. So those are all those factors come into it. See what I'm saying? And I think there's a good game under there. I don't, I don't think it's for me. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, well, it's interesting. Um, and like I said, I've had my eye on it for a while. Um, I haven't I haven't gotten into it yet, but I am very curious about this one. I feel like it's so weird and strange and offbeat that maybe it's going to be my jam, but I'll uh, I'll have to grab a copy of this on Xbox and see. So that is Outward Definitive Edition. All right. Thank you, Carlos. Uh, let's do a couple for me real quick here. First off, Gibbon Beyond the Trees. Uh, this was shown at the recent Nintendo Indie, uh, I don't know, Indie Expo, Jam, Game Fest, whatever thing that was on uh, TV last week. Remember? Did you ever watch that? I don't know what you're talking about TV, but yes, I did watch it on the on internet. YouTube, the internet. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I watch, I watch YouTube on my TV, so I just thought... Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay, there you go. That's anyway, sorry. Fair. Sorry for the confusion. It was on the internet. The Nintendo Direct, Indie Fest, Jam, Gala, whatever. Um, so this was one of the ones that was shown. Uh, this is basically about a... You play a gibbon, which is kind of like a monkey. And it's a 2D, very colorful game. Um, and you are swinging in trees. You can also run along branches. And uh, you can also sometimes um grab another monkey like they'll stick their hands out and grab your hands and then kind of catapult you a little bit so it's kind of like a platformer um if i'm not mistaken i do believe the developer is donating some proceeds from this game to actually save gibbons in real life because they're endangered which is awesome so if if i understand that correctly um good on you i definitely appreciate you know taking some efforts taking some action to do something good in the world so that's amazing um but I got to say, I got to be 
real honest. Um, I thought this game was kind of awful. I really didn't care for it. Um, it looks great. It looks great in screenshots. It looks great in trailers. But when you actually play it, it feels just I got bored of it like in five minutes. It's really too simple. Um, it's it feels like one of those um, one button mobile games where you just you hold your finger to run and then you let go of your finger to jump. And that's mm. kind of like all you do. Um there's, I mean, it almost feels like the game plays itself where you're just like swinging from trees and there's not really a lot of skill involved in it. And you just kind of go and this, the, the levels are like way too long and nothing's really happening except for just swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging, which is cool. Cause I mean, I would imagine that's what a Gibbons life is probably like, like you swing and then you swing some more and then you find a banana here and there and then you swing some more. I mean, that's okay. I get it. You're a monkey. That's, that's your life and you live it. But like in terms of game, it was just. I, I was just, I just like was, I didn't feel like I was, anything was happening. Like I'm just the monkey swinging and I'm watching the screen and I'm just, just swinging and swinging and just nothing is going on. And then once in a while you meet another monkey and then, you know, just, there's just nothing there, man. It's just, it's like a cool little thing to watch for like 30 seconds. But like when you're actually playing it, it's just really just not engaging. You're not doing any like precision platforming. You're not really um, making any kind of choices. You're just watching the monkey swing and you know putting your finger on the button and it's just that's all there is to it i wish there was more to it isn't it kind of like flower then or flow or something or just kind of watching something and i mean I'm... kind of but i kind of like those games and i don't like given i feel like there's not even as much complexity as hmm. there are in those games like it's just yeah i mean i guess that's a fair comparison i think you're probably right but it just it just did not grab me at all like i i was sitting there and after like five minutes i'm like okay i'm ready to move on because this is not giving me anything interesting to do so that's a bummer, but that is that was my take. I I did not finish it, even though it's only supposed to be like an hour, hour and a half, or something like that. I did not, I could not force myself to even play it for that long. So, well, kudos to them giving uh, back to the environment stuff. Though. Yes, cool. yes, absolutely. I hope that they donate a bunch of money. I hope this is successful. I hope that the Gibbons survive. So I hate to be I hate to be down on it for that reason, but honestly, this is not a good game. So okay, uh, other game Seven Pirates H. Uh, this is. Man, okay, so it's just it's a bog standard JRPG, right? And I don't play those. You know, I don't play these. But the angle was it was supposed to be like titillating sexual content on the Switch. I don't know if anybody knows, but like the Switch has gotten kind of filthy recently. There's a lot of surprisingly sexual games on the Switch, and I know that Nintendo has usually been this image of like squeaky clean, 100% kid friendly, family friendly. This is all safe, which is all largely true. But there's there's been some shit sneaking by in the eShop, which is a little bit naughty, I gotta say. There's definitely been, been some noticing. nudity. Yeah, there's yeah. been a few. There's been a few more things, which I am here for. I am here for it, Carlos. I'm all about that. So this was one of those ones. It's a general third-person JRPG, uh, very Japanese in flavor. And the, the the gist of this one is that there are the deepest breast mechanics you've ever heard of or seen in your nice. life. That is the hook to this game. Wait, by the way, by the way, in the description, it says it is a booby training RPG. That That is literally what it is, dude. That is absolutely fucking true. It's so true. I can't even describe how true this is. So you start off um, with uh, one character. You meet a couple other girls. They're all, man, it's difficult to even talk about this without being offensive, and I'm trying my best. Uh, all of the girls are not curvy at the start. I'll just say that. And then you have a bunch of items. You earn items when you play, and all of these items enhance the curves that are lacking when they start the game. Uh, so like you use a couple items and then <laughs> I can't Wait even talk a about minute. this. This I can't is even talk about weird. This. So like yeah. how you do this uses one of these items 
It goes to a close-up of, like, the girl. You see, like, her chest and her face. Maybe some arm or something. And then you can use the touch controls, which makes you seem like a complete fucking pervert. Or you can also use, like, the sticks, which isn't much better. But basically, the way that you move your finger on the screen... I'm going to let you fill this in in your own imagination here. The way that you move your finger on the screen determines which kind of growth that girl's chest goes. Like, what you know, there's, there is upper and there's lower there's larger there's smaller and there's perky and then there's not perky and there's there's like there's like multiple different toggles about how that can develop and then each one of those things has a stat comparison so i guess the larger the size the cup size equals the larger hp that you have and yeah that's like in real life (laughs) i don't know about that i don't know about that but like there's all so what you end up doing is you use one of these items that you get through battle you go to the, the booby training screen which is what it's called and then you either use your fingers or thumbs to, you know, use your imagination. Or oh use my the goodness. Sticks, and then they just, I mean, the breasts get to like a ridiculous size. Like it's just, it's crazy. But it's weird. Okay, so here's a couple things. Um, it's weird because even though the breasts get larger, no other part of the girls get larger at all. And like, I mean, I'm just going to spoil this here. Just real, just real talk for a minute. If you are a person who likes women with large breasts, those women very often have natural fat deposits in other places. Like it's very unnatural for a woman to have very large breasts and be totally slender everywhere else. Right. Unless they're unnatural. Unless. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is a thing that can happen. Right. Um, so like when I seeing the character design, like none of the rest of the girls get bigger at all. And it just, it looks weird and it looks like almost like a joke, like some kind of like really poorly done hentai picture or something where you're like, okay, this is, ridiculous the bouncing gets ridiculous um the other thing that i kind of didn't care for is that honestly i feel like these girls just they just look too young dude and at the beginning it's like oh all characters are are 18 and up okay whatever dude but like i don't have a i don't have an issue with japanese art i think a lot of japanese art is fucking awesome i love a lot of it but i don't like this this fetish of like every girl character looks really young like uncomfortably young and we talked about it in the show many times. Yes, we brought it up and several we both times. don't like it. And also, the other thing I just noticed in this game has that chibi version of the women, too. Yeah. That pops up, which is like the mini version. Yeah. And that is uncomfortable, in my opinion. Yeah. Unless it's like a little elf that's helping you in an RPG or something. Right, yeah. Yeah, I got to say, like, I, I'm all for exploring sexual content in games, adult content, and, you know, you know, doing different things. I mean, you know, just like with movies, there's all sorts of movies for everybody. I think there should be games for everybody. I'm totally fine getting something spicy once in a while. I love it. It's great. But I just I just don't like how the girls look so young. It made me very uncomfortable. And I do feel like the the, the laser focus on the breasts um, to the exclusion of basically everything else was, I mean, not my jam. Maybe that's somebody else's jam, but it felt just kind of weird and just it, it wasn't working for me. It just didn't work. But beyond that, looking at the RPG side, it's just bog standard. There's a lot of the typical JRPG like hot air chatter where they're just talking and talking and talking and talking and like nothing really gets said. It's not mm. funny. It's not charming. Just like tons of dialogue, way too much dialogue to get through. The turn-based battles are just pretty bog standard as well. Just real basic, you know, select a skill, select an attack. I mean, it's all it's all boilerplate JRPG stuff, which I'm not really here for. And I was hoping that the the spicy content would kind of carry it because that does happen sometimes. Like, you know, that can that can lift a game up. Oh, um, that's kind of a pun intended. Oh, unintentional. But there you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it just it just wasn't working for me. Like the girls look too young. It was just way too much focus on like. The, the oh, way over the top boom mechanics and it just to me did not come together in a way that I appreciated as someone who generally appreciates 
that kind of material. So it just was, was not working for me. And on top of that, I'll say two last things. One's a tangent and one's just as I look at the game. Like you said, like some of the boob physics or whatever they're doing, it's not even like it can't be sexy. Like it looks broken. It, you know? it, it, it looks it, like yes, exactly, exactly. Like they're like it's a monstrosity. It's a bad thing. It's, it's like, like you're um, out of a like a graphics hack or something. Like it doesn't look like yeah. yeah. It just looks like broken. So yeah. that's the other problem. But the other thing is to the chibi thing and to the too young thing. Uh, why one of my favorite experiences that were was kind of spicy recently was when I, uh, how do I say, made love. No, no one says that. <laughs> when, when I had sex with Pan Am, it was fucking incredible. And I'll tell you why. Because, mini tangent, right before that, and minor spoiler, by the way, okay? Cyberpunk spoiler. All right, let's jump ahead a the couple next, minutes next if you minute. don't want to spoil for, for Cyberpunk. Like, there's a lot of missions you do with her before they, like, decided not ever do any after you finish the game which i hate but you do a bunch of missions with her and one of the missions is like you're in this shack in like a sandstorm and you have this really cool moment together i think i mentioned on the show and she like puts her like feet up on my lap you know and she's just sitting on the couch and we don't kiss but it's just like a cool tender moment yeah and then later something else happens and then at some point we're in a vehicle together and we have sex in the vehicle and it's so fucking cool <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, you, you didn't do this yet. I'm guessing. No, I haven't done it yet. Yeah. No, Sorry, it's a minor spoiler for you. But it, it's so cool because it's, again, it's that same thing. It's like an unusual situation. It, we're just feeling it and it's in the moment. That's spicy to me. It wasn't because they were like boob mechanics or young looking or whatever, you know, or scantily clad. Yeah. I think she had like most of her clothes on at the beginning. You know, it's yeah. just normal yeah, yeah. day. And then we had a moment. So, like, that's what I want more in games. I, I want mean, look. That, that's a great point, dude. I, I totally agree with you. Like, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. And I feel like that kind of reminds me of The Witcher 3, which we talked about earlier in the show. That has some of my favorite moments like that ever. Like, I, did you yeah. did you romance um, Yennefer when you played Witcher? Or who, I think you, you have to do Yennefer and... Um, Triss is the other one. But you can, you, can, you can rebuff them if you don't want to. I mean, you don't Well, I mean, to, I think... But... Oh, I know. But I feel like Yennefer just almost naturally happened. And then I felt bad about it. And this is my canon, by the way. I never ever hooked up with Yennefer again, and I went for Triss, and I just stayed with Triss. Oh man! So like, I I I went with Yennefer. I really like Yennefer a lot. I know there's a, a weird contingent of people who think she, she's like a brain or something, and you guys are broken people because she's great. But um, there's I, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but there's a couple. There's there's actually like several moments in the game which I feel like are really mature, really well written, and they're sexual, but they're not they're not just like you know explicit or anything. It's just like the relationship that you have leading up to it, the intimacy that's there. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful um, couple sequences that are great. So that that kind of intimacy, I want to see more of. I think that's wonderful, like mature human connection. And also, mm-hmm. it can be really funny. Like I think that there's just like body over the top for laughs, you know, kind of like a raunchy sort of thing. I think that's really fun too. That can be really fun. The thing that I don't get into is kind of like this Seven Pirates H thing in the middle, where it's like it's not really funny, it's not really mature. And they're very focused on the physical aspect to the, a degree that is like beyond even absurdity. Yeah. And that's nothing sexy about that. And it's just like, it's just weird and it feels kind of inappropriate. And I just, none of it to me was um, appealing in the way that as a person who likes to have sex and who enjoys spending time with women, uh, that none of that was clicking with me like in, in any way. Final part of that tangent is to that point. I think it's more important, not just because of like, you know, entertainment value or whatever, but because, again, of people growing up playing video games, uh, probably should see more mature, real-life experiences. <laughs> yeah. Because I, instead of, you know, this kind of fantastical fantasy version of it, because then they go out in the real world, and I'm not saying 
video games make anybody do anything. That's an old story. I'm talking about like, it's still media and it still informs you. Right? That's very true. It kind of shapes Shows, how you see things. It shapes yeah. how you see things. So <clears throat> yes, we should have more of it also for like the learning of people. And okay, I'm stopping my tangent. Whoa. Man, well, that's fine. Oh, you know, just and just to circle back a minute ago, I realized that as we were talking about this, I called out, I said that I like to spend time with women, which is true. But also, I'm totally, I think I want to see exploration of like, you know, queer content of like, you know, trans content or whatever. Like, I'm all for that. Like, I'm not saying it has to be hetero, yeah. cis. I just want to be real clear about that. So I, yeah, I said we're that because about... we were talking about, you know, me specifically. But in general, I'm all about gay romance, queer romance, trans romance, like whatever. Like, it's all good. I want to see human interaction romance of any kind explored i'm all for it so it just yeah it doesn't matter what kind it's it's more mature is yeah. all i'm saying you know like so exactly exactly okay so that was the pirates age didn't work for me unfortunately and uh there we go okay enough of that carlos back to you uh rogue legacy 2 i have not played this yet i have my eye on it because i do like roguelikes as everyone knows and i really liked rogue legacy number one i never finished it because it got like I felt like it got really bananas too hard towards the end of the game, and I just didn't want to hang with it. But I really liked it a lot, and I would be very interested to give it a, a second chance with a sequel. Carlos, Rogue Legacy 2, tell me all about it. Um, Remember the episode of the oh, show? What? Oh, what? Damn it. Okay. Zone I'm in. Damn it. Okay, Carlos is still in the zone. All right, lay it on me. Still the zone. But, uh, yeah, you love the first one. I didn't play the first one, I don't think. But it is that same thing of roguelike you know, extraordinaire where you're going to go through a game and keep going back over and over and over through it to beat bosses, unlock stuff, etc. So it's, and by the way, like we can look it up maybe in the show right now, but like, is it one of the first roguelikes? No, I don't think so. I don't okay, think so, but okay. it was one of the ones to have a sense of permanent progression. Um, the skill tree in Rogue and Rogue Legacy one was you were always working towards unlocking permanent skills. And that was like a big step forward. I don't know that it was the first, but it was the first notable one where you were very obviously working towards like getting better and better characters as time went on. And you could see it just laid out for you. So that was kind of a big step forward for the genre. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's in this one too. So Rogue Legacy 2 looks pretty much graphically the same, if not better. I would say better probably. I mean, I hope. Yeah. And everything just seems like it's an upgraded version of Rogue Legacy 1. So the short... Uh, too long didn't read tldr is that it's the same but better and scene right so that's it <laughs> but shortest review ever folks same a, but better a little bit of a, a expansion on it you play as a character and i like how they always do that kind of random name generation thing because it's kind of fun my first character was named lady Susie. um it's male female and uh different classes and so you start out with the knight and, uh, you know, you go through this dungeon, also procedurally generated, um, different rooms, etc., enemies, monsters, things to unlock. You go in, you die, you know, not too soon after you go in there, probably, because you're pretty underpowered. And then they say, okay, now pick your heir. So it's just this kind of legacy, right? Yes, so it's yes, like, yes. keep getting a new person. And the new person, you can pick between three new people each time. And they're, you know, different named and they might have different like skills and stuff. So that was the part that was probably the most interesting to me in this one. I don't know if it's in the, in the first one, it was like that, but like, let's say it gives you three choices of a character and in the beginning of the game, most things are on, are not, are locked still. So you don't know what the traits are, but when you use them, you get to figure out that trait. Did it happen like that in the first one? That is exactly what the first one is. Yes. Okay. And I like that. Actually, I like that quite a bit because then you're like, it gives you a reason to do the going back again. Mm -hmm. 
because you're like, yeah, I want to unlock new things and see what new characters show up. So you all unlock different character classes, archers, you know, enchantress, barbarian, etc. Of course, I picked the barbarian as soon as I found him and just kept picking barbarian. Of course. I really like their moveset as well, but I'm a melee guy. And so each one has, yeah, different moves, like move sets, literally. Uh, when you attack, it's like a different type of thing. The ranger sucks ass. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would pick that. Um, maybe there's like certain levels where you have to hit things from a distance, but I think you just pick a mage or something. Anyways, I hated that ranger. So, and yeah, you basically keep unlocking new characters and seeing new traits, you know, different weird things. Like one character leaves a trail for some reason. So you can figure out where you were or one, um, shoots like crazy fireballs from their hand. And like, it's just so many different traits that that, that part's the most fun. Um, and then, yeah, you're just unlocking parts of the map. There's kind of like a lot of mini meta stuff where like you can do these challenge puzzles. I don't know if that was in the first game where you like go to an area and it goes, get through this crazy maze of stuff. And when you get through, we'll give you a permanent upgrade. Yep. That was in there too. Yeah. Okay. So they had that then. So it's, again, it's like my first review. It's the first game. (laughs) Exactly the same, just slightly better. It's kind of what it sounds like. And in my zone um, that I'm in where nothing's exciting and everything feels dead. um, (laughs) It was like, oh, yeah, I played this before. So I guess I'll stop now. I mean, that sounds okay. That sounds okay because uh, I did like Rogue Legacy 1, didn't finish it. If they came back with a more polished version, a more balanced version too, I felt like the difficulty just spiked like really crazy. But um, I mean, I liked it a lot. It had a lot of cool ideas. I mean, the the air system that you're uh, mentioning, the upgrade skills, like the, the variety of people you could get, like the way, I mean, it, it kept it really fresh, which I think was great. But also you always felt like you were working towards finally getting there which was wonderful if they if they polish that up um i would be very happy to come back and you know maybe do the whole game of rig legacy 2 if it was if it was a little bit uh, more polished and rounded which probably is exactly what it is so okay it cool. sounds like it is and i would say that the only other thing is and i'm sure this is in the first game probably too but you go back to a home base a lot and yep. then in, in that home base you can unlock stuff yep right so like different blacksmiths and you can find different weapons they had that too yep that was all there okay yeah you can upgrade weapons and literally bring new weapons into the fray and yeah yeah, yeah. so it's super like i get it it's addictive and it can be fun i think at some point i just noped out because again i've played this style of game forever sure and the other thing that i wrote down on my notes is couldn't get con- comfortable controls oh really and yeah i think it's partly because they keep adding things Right, so where that should be cool, maybe at some point I'll find the barbarian with the specific passive trait and the you know the fireball that I like, and and then I guess you would ha- you have to hope that you get him because you know there are different errors each yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's the mixture of that things are changing a lot, and just in general the kind of dash. I don't like the dash. I, maybe it was where the button was mapped, but it's I think it was right trigger. And I just, you know, a game that I love, like melee action RPGs in general, if I get in that flow, I love it. And it's just like the best thing ever. Uh, shout out Greedfall. But this, I couldn't do it. I don't know. I don't know if you if you felt that in the first one, but like I just always felt like it wasn't always the game's fault. It was my own fault for not, or I guess I it's a combination, but like I didn't feel comfortable enough to do the jump, jump, dash, hold, spin, Right. Go in portal. There's like eight things to do on some of these screens. You know, there's like these portals that you like flow through and stuff. You had to hit right button to go in them. 
So you have to go L button, L button, right trigger, right button. Like that's a, a, a lot of finger gymnastics for something yes, that should be pretty intuitive, right? I don't want finger gymnastics in a game that's already difficult. Yeah. And is designed to make you die. So I think that's the ultimate reason I noped out. Because if I felt really comfortable, like Super Meat Boy or something, where I go, oh, yeah, I know what it is, and I can do it again. But this one, I was like, I don't think I can get this. I mean, that is a factor. I haven't played this one, and I don't remember if that's how I felt about the first Rogue Legacy. But that is a thing, right? If you can't remap the buttons and you can't get comfortable with it, sometimes like you know sometimes developers decide on a a control scheme for whatever reason and they just they lock it in and if it doesn't work for you that can be a real barrier like if your brain is constantly just working too hard thinking about the controls and it's not coming to you like 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 reflexes i mean that can really put the gibosh on a lot of things so yeah yeah, so i think that's what ultimately closed the door for me Mm, okay well that's rogue legacy 2 i'm definitely going to check it out uh i think it's coming to all platforms i believe it's available on all platforms right now you played it on what xbox Xbox. Xbox. Okay. All right. I will check it out anyway. All right. Here we go. Let me talk for a couple more times. Let's see what I have here. Uh, Root is a new... Okay. It's not a new game. It's on PC. It's on the Switch. I'm playing it on the Switch. Uh, Apparently, it's a board game, like a real-life board game. Uh, And then they brought it to, you know, electronic formats, which is something I'm always kind of interested in. I I don't like... I, I, I do like board games, but I don't like board games because I don't have enough people to play with. I don't know enough of the rules and I always struggle to get into a board game. So like I buy a lot of them because they have awesome box art and it looks really fun. (laughs) Yeah. And then you get home and you're like, Oh my God, this is too many pieces. And I don't know which turn goes next. And I don't know what I'm doing. And then you put all the stuff back in the box and you put the box in your closet. Then you are mad that you spent that money. That happens to me all the time. Yeah. So whenever somebody does a video game adaptation, I'm always, that usually helps, right? Cause like the AI can take over. They automate a lot of the rules. So I'm always interested. So root is a it's been around for a while they just released some dlc and that's the reason they sent out uh, the code uh they sent me code for this which is uh why i'm talking about it now so free code for the purpose of talking about on the show um the new dlc adds different factions so what is root it's i don't know i'm not really sure it's kind of it's a, a board game where you are one of four factions of animals there's like um birds there is and three other animals too cats Cats. Yeah, there you go. Cats, birds, and uh, something, something. Okay. Anyway, each faction has their own skills and abilities, and it's kind of like a deck builder, sort of, but it's also like a board game where you're controlling map points. Um, and I gotta be, I gotta be honest. Uh, the game kind of never got going for me because I was going through the tutorial, and a lot of it was like, I, I generally get what you're saying but I wasn't really into it. And it was kind of the tutorial where you're not really, you're not kind of learning as you go. They're kind of telling you a little bit and, and hopefully it sticks. And then you kind of got to implement that yourself. I mean, I don't know. Tutorials are a, a tricky thing and I know that they're not, uh, you know, easiest thing in the world to put together. Um, but I just, I didn't really catch fire in the tutorial. I, I can't say that I really fully grasped what was going on. And a lot of it is like resource management where it's like, okay, you're a cat in the forest, and what you got to do is set up a castle. And I'm like, okay. Okay, set up a castle, but then you need a blacksmith over here, and you need to have a, um, a guy over here getting some wood, and you got to have three wood over here to get over here and build a building over here. And I'm like, okay, you're losing me because I don't know, like, like, why am I building all these things and how many resources do I need and what is even my point of doing this? And, like, I feel like if I was already familiar with this game from real life, it probably would be no problem, but as somebody coming to it brand new, yeah. I was getting I was getting lost pretty quickly. Like I wasn't I wish there was like a little like it's like more of a walkthrough sort of thing where they just kind of 
lead you through step by step. Hey, you're building a castle because of three reasons. In order to get this castle, you need to build a thing over here because these reasons. And here's what you do. Like it just it just kind of lost me, right? So I'm like, okay, got through the tutorial. I didn't feel like I had a good grasp on it. Started um, just the main campaign. You can play yourself and then a bunch of AIs for to take the place of other people. And I just was like, I was like lost. I like, I set up a castle and I'm like, okay, so what am I doing? I'm setting up a thing over here and I don't know why I'm setting it up over here. And I'm not sure what the strategy of this is. And I just, it just didn't click for me. Like I just, I couldn't get into it. And, uh, you know, it, it seems fine enough. Um, it seems like a pretty good adaptation. I think the text is maybe a little bit small. I feel like the elements on screen are a little bit small, but not terrible, but it just didn't click. And I just, I couldn't get past it. So, uh, there's new DLC. If you like Root, I think they added three or four new races, and they all have new abilities, and they play differently. So, I mean, it seems it seems like a fine enough adaptation, but I I couldn't crack it. So there you go. So Full if you like the board game, maybe just check it out. Yeah, check it out. Okay, one more. Uh, another boy. Again, kind of like you. I'm in a zone. In my zone. In your zone for different reasons, but I think we're in the same zone. This is called As Far as the Eye. Um, the trailer is really cool looking, which is what caught my attention. It's some kind of like a town builder and you're kind of like in a desert and I'm like just the graphics of it. And it's like, oh, okay, this looks really interesting and kind of peaceful and cool, strategic maybe. Um, and again, kind of like root, the tutorial is not great. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm really kind of at a loss even what to say about it because when you begin the game and the tutorial, it's like, I'm not really sure who I was. I'm not really sure what what I was supposed to be doing. I'm not sure about like the world. Like I didn't have like good context for anything. And they're just like, go here and click this thing and go here. And you can take three, three steps and do this thing over here. And I'm like, but why? Like what's happening? Um, so it, they kind of lost me from the get go. Um, they really need to explain itself a lot more clearly to properly set the scene for the player. And I will say the font in this game was tiny. It was really microscopic. So that was unpleasant. And I just like, I just didn't get what the game was doing. Like I just, it didn't bring me in as a player. It didn't, um, it didn't explain itself or catch my attention. So I was moving a couple guys on a hex board and I wasn't sure what I was doing. And they were like, go over here and do this thing. And I'm like, do what and why? And I don't know. So it just, mm. it just did not connect with me in any way. And I really feel like a better tutorial and a better starting point for that game would have probably done wonders. Also, please make that text much, much bigger. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I played it for maybe like 15 minutes and I'm like, okay, I just, I'm done. I don't know what's even going on here. So it's when they transfer it, you know, cause it's, I'm looking at the screenshots now on steam and it's even small for steam. Yeah. So, you know, um, and also the goblins, uh, put publishing, which I like put this out. Yeah. Um, so if you like goblins, uh, go check out legend of the keepers. I'm legend of the keepers is awesome. Episode. I love legend of the keepers. That is yeah. a great game. That is a good pick. So yeah. Okay. So there you go. Sorry folks. Sorry to root and sorry to you as far as the eye. I mean, maybe there's a good game there. I don't know, but you really got to like, you know, tutorials can sometimes really make or break an experience as both these games show it broke both these experiences. So, uh, back to you, Carlos eternal threads. I know literally nothing about this game whatsoever. Yeah. Let's end the show on a little bit of a high note. Wait, I have one more high note too. Yes. So yes. Yeah. So two, two mini high notes, uh, because this was, you know, I was still in my zone swiftly in my anger, hate zone, but, uh, I, I played this last night. And played for a lot longer than I thought I would. I turned off all the lights, and it's a first-person. Did you light some candles? Single-player game. No. Glass of wine. I should have done the candles. Actually, this would have fit with this. No warm blanket. N- none of those things. Oh, none of those things. <laughs> I believe I had um, a little bit of a mocha left, and the lights were off, and that's it. Okay. But here's the thing: it is a single-player, first-person, story-driven puzzle game with time manipulation. 
uh, but choices, which I always like. In Did games. you say first person? First person. Okay. So I didn't know that when I saw the screenshots and I, I talked to you about it and I was like excited to try it. Um, and we got a code for this for purposes of reviewing it on the show like we're doing now. Uh, I was just thinking it was like, um, you know, you're watching scenes and just clicking places. But as soon as you start the game, you the, the quick history is that we like fucked up the earth. Um, which, by the way, real life. I was gonna say, are you talking about real life or this game? Which are we? Both. Are we, both. Okay. Um, but you're like, we like really messed up. We're like, there's this radiation everywhere, and it's bad. And so the idea is, you're part of this troop of people who go back in time because we figured out time travel. But also, time travel is the reason why we kind of fucked everything uh, up. Yeah, I don't know. If that's gonna fix anything. Paradox. But okay, sure. Anyways, you're supposed to go back and save this simple version. I think maybe they're gonna maybe try to build on this. I don't know. But you have to go back and save people who died. Uh, there's a bunch of people who died and this kind of moment in this house and you see the kind of ending at the beginning, which is it's on fire and you know, they've all died. So you go back in this huge timeline and you're transported by the way, right away. And it's first person and I'm playing on steam on my, on my PC and I'm using my controller. So it felt good. It felt like, Oh, okay. Now I'm actually going to play a first person game, but it's similar to Detroit uh, human or what is it called? Detroit. Become yeah, human. I know. Become human, beyond yeah. human, something like that. Yeah. And a lot of those games where, and the, what's the horror games that we love um, that are choice like driven? Until Dawn, sort Until of Dawn and yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's got that feel, right? Um, but you're, but Until Dawn, I don't think is first person. It's like you're just watching, right? Yeah, third person or like little cutscenes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But this one, yeah, you're you're this time traveler and you've gone into this like house and you're trying to figure out what happened there. So how the game plays is you have a little like. Um, Ghostbusters, you know, device. You have a proton pack. Well, not the pack, but the thing in your hand, like you know, like monitoring oh, the, the, what's going the on. PKE meter. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and it's done really well. Like the mechanics are done very smartly. Where you on that little meter, you are in this house, and it shows like you know where an event has taken place, and you go over there and look at it, like for the little map that's on the screen, and then you hit a button. And you watch the screen, the scene play out, right? Like digital versions of it. So that's the, I think, the whole game, the bulk of the game. So you're trying to see these little story bits that happened, deduce what happened, how you can change it, and what happens is you get to sometimes you just watch something, but other times you get to a point in that like watching the what played out, and they say make a choice, right? And that's the kind of big hook of the game. But then you jump out to the timeline, and you can look at the timeline all the way through to the very end. Is so it you kind can, of like a little like a map screen or something? Like a yeah, different, it's like one line, okay, you know, gotcha. like one straight up timeline. And if things like get decided because you made a decision, it becomes like a hexagon or something. It lights up and it goes, okay, that's the new decision. And so you're kind of like creating the timeline. And you, I don't know why you'd want to jump around so much. Maybe later in the game I'll learn that. But like, I just want to do things in order, you know. So I just went from left to right. And that's how I've been playing it. But you can jump to anywhere you want. Um, I guess. I, I guess if you did something at the end, no, 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 wait. I mean, you would mess yourself up, right? Like if you did something later on, and then you went back and changed something, wouldn't it change everything that came after that? I don't know the mechanics. I didn't play that long, so okay. I don't know how that's going to work. But okay. it, it, here's a simple version of what happened at the very beginning. So it does make you pick like the first few events just to see what happened. And so in the timeline, one of the first few events was just a guy talking on the phone about his bird uh, and the bird's like in a cage. And he's like, I don't know, should I take the bird to the vet or not? And it was like decision time. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And I was like, of course you take the fucking bird to the vet. 
So I said yes, and then later on in the timeline, it goes, oh, the bird leaves like the the space of, of like you know looking at the memories, and the bird saved. You, you, you saved the bird's life, and it kind of like lets you know that, right? Okay. So I think that's how it's going to go along. Like you'll like make enough decisions along, and it will be like, okay, here's the new reality now that you've made, because um, that's what happened with the bird. So that's kind of the game. Like it, it's not a ton of things. Maybe like near the end, it changes a little bit and you leave that location. But for right now, I'm just like exploring the house, finding different items in the drawers, you know, open drawers and stuff like that. And you're trying to piece together why the hell this thing got out of hand and, you know, chaos happened and these people died. So that's that's kind of the game. And, and for being like lights off, you know, first person, I had my controller it felt like a fun experience because I knew I knew I was changing their world, you know. Yeah. But I didn't yeah. really know how I was doing it quite yet, and so and there's some comedy in the characters, like some funny scenes happen too. So it's not just like a super sad thing. All right. I like it. Like I, I I'm not like in love with it, and again, I haven't played it long enough. But like, I'll definitely play this, and I want to like see how the final story, you know, plays out. All right. That sounds interesting. I do like time travel stories, even though they're tricky to do. And I do like choice, you know, choice based games. Um, I'd be very curious to see how things change if you jump around a lot. And of course, like if something happens downstream that you already did and you go upstream and mess something up or change something, would that change that? I mean, it would, I mean, logically, it would have to, even though time travel is not real, but you would think it would. So I'm curious to see. Um, if you're going to keep playing this, you think? Yeah, that's the first thing I'm going to do tonight, I decided, is what you're saying. I'm going to go to the very end of the timeline and like just fuck something up and just see what if it does. Like, yeah, if it goes back when I go yeah, back. Yeah, like if you go backwards, if you do something earlier than what you just did, I mean, of course, that would have to change. Well, fill me in. Let me know what happens. This sounds interesting. Um, circle back next week and let's do like a, a check-in on this one. I will. And I would say that I recommend it to people who just want like kind of a relaxing experience because it's not like... There's no Twitch gaming, at least, from what I've seen. Is there any fail state, no combat or anything so far? No, no. So far, it's just like, okay, I've made this decision. Okay, this person's okay or not okay, or the bird's alive or dead. Gotcha. So, yeah, I like it. Fill us in on that bird. We want to find out what happened to that bird. Well, the bird's fine, though. The bird's fine. But later on, you don't know what might happen later no, on. No, I think that's, that's funny. I think, and I'm saying this speculation, when the little hexagon's around the choice in the timeline, that it's like solid. Like oh, like it's locked in? Like that's locked in. Uh, okay. So All I right. think I saved the fucking <clears throat> bird. Okay, well, good. I'm going to sleep tonight then because I was a little bit concerned. So let's, let's use that as the quote, you know, for the review. I saved the fucking I bird. I saved the fucking bird. <laughs> All right, good. Good uh, positive note from you. And we're going to end on a real high note from me. I'm circling back. You talked last week about... Uh-oh. Citizen Sleeper. Oh, yes, of course. I thought you would like it. You know, you talked about it last week. I hadn't tried it last week. This is available on Xbox Game Pass. I think it's on PC. I'm not sure if it's anywhere else, but I'm playing it on Xbox right now. You talked about it briefly last week, and you were you, you were like, okay, on it. You were like, yeah, this is all right. It's fine, fine. But as you were describing it, I was like, you were actually kind of like selling me on it because it sounded like it was checking all my boxes. And I jumped into it after the show, after you kind of convinced me to. And I love this game. This game is fantastic. It's awesome. so good. So to circle back, uh, or for people who missed last week's episode, um, the premise is that you are a synthetic human being. It's kind of unclear whether you are a copy of somebody or if you are 
a person who's been digitized. I, I think that maybe they're going to clear that up later on in the story, or maybe they won't. Right, but, but they did. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure in the very beginning, say you are a copy, though. Yeah, but I kind of wonder, I wonder, and something that, okay, this is kind of like, we're getting off track here, but I wonder if there are multiple copies of you, or if you are just one copy of that one person. Like, I wonder, oh, right. yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, is there a thousand of you, or is there only one of you? I, it's unclear. Anyway, bottom line, you're a copy of a human being in a synthetic body. And you are trying to escape from the people who created you. Um, you don't want to be like this artificial slave race anymore. You want to live your own life. Um, even though I'm really curious as to what like what happened before that. The game doesn't get into it, but like the, I mean, it's it's so interesting, right? The world building is really interesting. The concept is interesting. So like from the get go, it's kind of got me interested already, which is great. Um, so you get to this space station on the far edge of the universe. You think no one's going to find you there. Um, you, you stow away on a ship and then you get out of the ship and you're there and then, um, you start to meet people and you start to do things and you try to carve out a little life for yourself. Now that sounds like it could be any kind of a game, but the thing that's brilliant about this and the thing that I love about this is that it is a blend of many different things. And it is, it is basically unlike almost anything else out there because it's narrative, it's story-based. There's little bits of story. The story is really well-written. You get little snippets of art, and I think the art is amazing. I think we mentioned like maybe Jeff Darrow last week is kind mm-hmm. of like what it looks like to me. Wonderful artwork. But it's 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 all about systems as well. So on the one hand, it's totally gamey. It's totally system-driven. It's all about points and triggers and mechanics. But on the opposite side of that, it's all about like the story and who you're, you're discovering. So, I, I mean, I love the presentation of this. You're on this little like space station, and it's like a strip. It's like a, It's like a ring world. It's like a halo world and you can go up and down the length of it. And on this length of this, as you're watching it on screen, there's just points. It'll just be a point that says like, Oh, here's a bar and Oh, here's a store and Oh, here's a science lab or something. And in most times, like that's all you're seeing. It just says like science lab or it's like bar. You click a button and it'll give you like a choice and it'll say, do you want to buy something or do you want to do some work or do you want to talk to somebody? And along with those, you also have dice, but it's not anything you have to, you don't roll the dice. I mean, the game just assigns you six dice at the beginning of a turn. So you wake up in your morning in your, uh, in your cargo container where you're living, they, the game gives you like six dice and then you use those dice in whatever way you want. So if you go to work, for example, it'll be like, oh, this is a dangerous job. If you want to be successful, you need to have at least a five, five dice or a six dice. And then if you've got one, great. If you don't, then you should probably look for something else. Otherwise, if you use a dice uh, on that that is low, you might get hurt, you might lose some energy, or something bad might happen. So um, you get these six dice, you place them in these slots throughout the space station, shop, job, conversation, whatever. And then when you're out of dice, you got to go back home and go to sleep and start the new day with six new dice. Um, so there's that's kind of like how it goes. Um, it's It's interesting because as you go through the station, like you never know what is going to happen. So like, it'll be like, if you do this job a certain number of times, you might meet somebody and it'll unlock a new thing that you can do. Or if you buy something at a store a couple number of times, it might unlock a thing that you can do. And so there's all these little branches. Like the game seems very small and limited at first, uh, but you can go in basically any order that you want to. And even though you have very few choices at the beginning, as you use your dice, as you go do these tasks, it unlocks characters, unlocks stories, and it just branches out like really far. Um, I've actually been pretty surprised at how many people I've met, how many different choices I have, how many different storylines I can pursue. I think I've probably got like five or six different threads I can follow right now. Mm. Um, And it's all about like, how many dice do I have? How many of these can I fulfill before I have to go back home? How many can I do? And then on top of that, like the systems part, the more stuff that you do, the more your artificial body wears down. So you have to figure out how can I replenish that? 
there are a couple different ways your energy runs down and so you kind of get like quote unquote hungry and so you're like well how can i get more food there's many different ways some of them cost money some of them cost dice some of them are free like you have to figure out what's going on and as you get deeper in the game like they the systems kind of come together where there's always something to do with your dice so even if you get like a one or a two there's something you can do with that that kind of like turns into like a positive system. If you get a five or a six, then you can use that on anything and be successful. So it's all about like figuring out what options you have, what you what storyline you want to advance, how many dice do you have, how much energy do you have, how what what condition are you in, and then like using the most of those resources, you know, in a maximizing kind of a way. Um, so it's all about like systems and resource, but at the same time, it's also about like living this life as an artificial human. It's also about like meeting these characters and following the storylines. And the storylines are fucking great. Like they're really good so far. I want to do them all. I don't think that's possible, uh, at least in one playthrough. But like I'm finding people and like every time somebody new pops up, I'm like, oh man, a new story. Let's think, see what's going on here. And it's just really, really fascinating. I love the blend of core, like pure, just artificial mechanics, dice and meters and numbers and mm-hmm. management. It's so artificial and and hard and just mechanical blended with the idea of being on the station and i think it really works for me because i'm super invested in the story but also i really like the sense of control that comes from the mechanics being so opaque and after a certain point once you've got enough options unlocked once you've leveled up a little bit you're able to kind of like set up this kind of like infinite loop for yourself where you you know where you can get your food you know where you can get your your body regeneration you know where you can get money. And once you have those things figured out, which it takes a while to figure it out, but once you get it figured out, you're like, okay, cool. Like I've got a little bit of mastery of these systems and I'm going to use this mastery of systems in order to progress like the narrative stories that I really like the most. So it it's super brilliant. It comes together. I know it's, it's a difficult thing to describe, but the way that the mechanics work with the story is wonderful. The story is great. The artwork is great. I think the systems are really well balanced and smart. I love how it all comes together. There's always something you can do there's always some option you can exercise it's just everything about it is just like super super brilliant it's exciting it's fun it's not for everybody because it's like i said it's like it's very narrative based and it's also mechanics based it's not a third person game it's not a first person game it's like menus and screens and reading yeah but man it comes together like so beautifully i love this game it's so fucking awesome i think you might like outward now Uh, (laughs) just trying to think of because of systems and stuff um, I mean, it's obviously different because it's third person, but yeah, I think that's the only thing that kind of like I wasn't as excited about. Like, I really like the story, I like the characters, I like the art, I like the concept a lot, I like the ideas, and I do want to hear what happens next. So I probably will still keep playing it, not right now because I'm in the hate zone, but I'll jump back to it at some point. Um, but I think that yeah, like the fact that I did know like how to get health back and I did know how to do the job that I had to do. Um, as long as I use the six or five or whatever, it felt that felt kind of boring to me. Like I was like, oh, well, then why do I have to do that over and over again? Because like outward, I didn't want to like look at meters. You know, right, I don't want right, right. I don't want to worry about managing my character. So that's the only downfall for me is the management of the stuff. Yeah. Um, and to know that even if I want to do something narratively, I might not be able to, based on how I fucked up. You know, with yeah. the the lineage. So. And that's the part that I thought was really cool about it, because once I figured that out, it was I I was getting satisfaction from being able to successfully manage those systems. So, like, I totally Uh, get it, like where it's kind of a drag where you want to just progress the story or just do whatever. I didn't want to be constrained by that. And I get that for sure. But in this particular, I mean, it may be a case of just the right game at the right time. 
maybe maybe I would have bounced off this at a, at a different time. But, you know, I am getting a lot of satisfaction from understanding how it works, being able to effectively execute on my strategies and then knowing even if I get a bad hand of dice that the game gives to me, there's things that I can do with those yeah. where it's not a complete loss. Right. So I'm like, I if you like get that. yeah, if you get like a bunch of ones and twos. It seems like you can't do any job because it's risky. You hurt yourself. But there's actually stuff you can open up where it's like, oh, wait, I can actually do this with a one or two. That actually gets me something in some other way. So I like the mastery of the mechanics. And I'm getting a lot of satisfaction like mechanically from that. But mm-hmm. it w- that wouldn't be enough on its own. It's, if the story wasn't as great as it is, I probably would have bounced. But I think the mechanics are great. Story is great. Um, I really, really like it a lot. I'm going to try to f- – I'm definitely going to finish it for sure. I know there's at least, at least like five or six different endings – um, and I'm just, I'm just really into it. I will say, um, just really quickly, this was from the developer of in other waters that came out on the switch. Did you play that one? I didn't. I bounced off of it, but it's kind of the same thing in that game. You were a, a, a underwater explorer in a mech suit that had an AI and you, something happened and you needed to like work with your resources and find fish and get to safety or something. Uh, it was even more abstract than citizen sleeper is like even fewer graphics, even fewer mechanics. It was, it was very much like an in your head kind of a game. Mm. I, I didn't, it did not work for me. I did not like that one at all. But now that I've played citizen sleeper, I may go back to it and give it a second chance. Um, people that got into it really liked it a lot, but I just, I couldn't get into it. Um, so we'll see. I also want to give a quick shout out to Tharsis. Have you ever played Tharsis? I know of it. I heard the name. I can't remember it. I don't think I played it. So Tharsis is probably the game that is closest to Citizen Sleeper in terms of using dice to progress storylines and use mechanics. In Tharsis, that was about a ship of uh, eight or nine astronauts going to Mars. There's a disaster halfway to Mars, and then you have to manage things where it's like fix the use your dice to either fix the air conditioning to have oxygen, or you can fix the hydroponics so you guys have food. And inevitably, somebody's going to die. So then you have to do cannibalism is a big part of that game as well. So Tharsis, um, very similar to Citizen Sleeper in terms of resource me- uh, management, dice mechanics, um, very board gamey in that sense, uh, but in a really great way. Um, Tharsis is also hard as fucking balls. It is it is the Dark Souls of fake electronic board game dice games. Mm. Um, but it's it's excellent. Again, once you figure out how it works, it's wonderful. Kind of the same thing as Citizen Sleeper. So Citizen Sleeper, fucking awesome. Fucking love it. Tharsis is great, but be ready to get your nuts crushed. Uh, or your, I guess your general, whatever private parts you have are going to get stomped on regardless of, of who you are. Because Tharsis has no soul. And uh, In Other Waters is another one to check out in case you want more narrative and you're okay with abstract games. But Citizen Sleeper is a shit. I am down. Cool. Well, there we go. That's a couple of positives uh, at the end of the hate zone. The end of the hate zone. All right. Uh, I guess let's bring the hate zone to a close. This is going to be a show. This is a show. Is it a show? It's a show. It's All a right, show. Folks. It's a show. All right, folks. As usual, we'd love to get your questions and comments. Hit us up. SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at SoVideoGames. You can reach us individually. Carlos, where's your traffic uh, being directed to this week? Um, yeah, just TikTok still probably. I mean, also, I just put up an editing of a sketch on YouTube. Yeah, uh, I saw that. YouTube.com slash... Carlos Rodella? Do I not know my own? Maybe. You don't know? I can look right now. Uh, YouTube.com slash hit your channel. And this other button over here and click Wait, this thing. Click a thing. It's over here. It's coming. I have, to start the, I have to start the generator. Interwebs is happening. Generator. Yeah, it's Carlos Rodella. So YouTube.com, YouTube.com slash Carlos Rodella. And you can see me editing a sketch. Check it out. Awesome. 
All right. As for me, same as always, Instagram and Twitter. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And this is going to do it for episode 285. Thank you again for joining us here on the So Many Games podcast. And we'll see you next week. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And bye from the hate zone. Although I'm going right back to the hate zone. It's right over there. Here I go.